Hey, it's time to grab a coffee and have a conversation at the Ideas Cafe. My name is Paul Edward Ralph, and I'm joined by John Belbeck and Aaron Holbrow, and we are relentlessly curious about the big ideas that impact the way we live. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe and consider helping us grow by sharing with a friend. But most importantly, we encourage you to stay in the conversation. This is the Ideas Cafe. Hey, gents, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Ideas Cafe. Good to be here. How are you doing today? Great. Aaron? Nope, not bad. Glad to be here. Okay, I'm going to jump straight into an idea. I struggle with waiting. I really do. I, I, I struggle with feeling like waiting is a waste of time. I want you guys' help today. Uh, I want to explore some ideas around what it means to wait, what it means to pause. Because here's the problem. I've got friends who are really into productivity. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff, and it's all about productivity and how to maximize and squeeze every ounce of energy out of every moment. And sometimes, like, I've begun that journey, and I think, yeah, that's fantastic. And then all of a sudden, at the end of it, I still feel as wanting as I did at the beginning. So it didn't, it didn't deliver on the promise. So, waiting. Is it a problem? Is it a problem for you? Because it sure as heck is a problem for me. I'm not a person that is inclined to wait well. I'm not. Uh, I've, I've had to learn how to wait. In fact, there's a part of my whole psyche that views waiting as a waste of time. As I age, I'm learning it's not. And it, it's kind of frustrating because as I, as, I, as I look in retrospect, I look at my early days and think, there's a valuable lesson I didn't learn until too late. And that was how to wait and how to sit and be patient and be present, even in the ambiguity of what may or may not be happening in my life. So here's my premise to you guys. Is there value in waiting? I guess it's a question, not a premise. Is there value in learning how to wait, in learning how to hold intention, things that feel perhaps like they're opposing one another, I know that for people who have grown up in my particular tribe, which is to say, as a young boy, I was raised in church. One of the constructs of the church that I was raised in is that we learned, I'm not sure we learned it directly, but I think we learned it indirectly that that resolution was key. You know, there was always a problem to be solved. and There was an issue to be dealt with. And I think what that did for me was that it put me into a posture of not knowing how to wait and be patient. I'm one of those people that before the elevator doors even close, I'm just, my finger's just going over top of the floor like and the closed door button first. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and then hitting the, and, and even when the door, before it opens, I'm already hitting open door, open door, open door. I don't like waiting either. But I don't know anyone who does. So I think it, this is a pervasive part of human, the human condition. We are not programmed naturally to enjoy waiting. I disagree. It's not part of the human condition, John. I think it's part of the Western condition. The human experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's the human... Because if you travel, as many of us have had the privilege to do, to parts of the world where waiting is forced upon them. It's a way of life. It's, in fact, it seems to be... Like when when you go to somewhere in Africa and you sit with the elders, they're in no rush to get anything done. Well, maybe, but the guy who's boarding the bus in Tokyo 
and it's 45 minutes late. He doesn't like that any more than we like it. You know, what's the opposite of waiting, though? Let's just, let's just, let's just figure out what, what the spectrum here is, okay? So the opposite of waiting, what, getting somewhere? Um, progress? Like, what's the opposite? What are we, what are, what's the antithesis here? Get, well, getting, um, some, getting, getting to the thing you want or need faster. Right. Okay. So that's a pervasive, I agree with Paul. It's a pervasive Western problem. Hang on, is Aaron, that did you we, just say you agree with Paul? Uh, no, you'll have to, <laughs> you have to listen back. I don't think I said that, but what I did say is it's a pervasive problem here in the West that we, it, it's our, it is our view of life. We just think that we're here to get somewhere. You know, there's a great adage that says being somewhere is more important than getting somewhere. Hmm. And I think that's, Instead of waiting, if we if we use the word being mm. present, you know, I don't like waiting either. I'm I am very impatient, but the older I get, the more I'm trying to teach myself, kind of slow down. No, I, I I hear you. I do think Western society. I mean, yes, we are built on around the idea of instant gratification. So I know it's it's and it's reinforced all the time at every level, every age, basically of getting what we need faster and what we want faster. So that we're not in that experiencing that perception of wasting time, and I'm totally guilty of it. But like you, I think I think that there's wisdom. I've learned that there's wisdom in waiting. That you can learn a lot about yourself, about life, about what matters in how you use that time in between where you are now and where you think you need to be. And for me, it opens up a whole bunch of questions. Why am I stuck in traffic right now? Why do I have to wait an hour and a half? Why did my life take this turn so that this hour and a half is um, causing me to just not... And I, th I think initially my experience was, like I think maybe you said, Paul, is that it's perceived as wasted time. But the beauty of it is, as you learn about the value in waiting, is that it doesn't have to be wasted time. It can be very, very productive and well-spent time that is beneficial in a whole bunch of ways. Here's a dilemma. My wife and I sold our home that we've lived in for 23 years just recently. The market where we live is so incredibly hot. We knew, we just knew that this was the right time to unload this house. Here's the dilemma. We don't know where we're going. And so we've spent the last, essentially the last three weeks... Waiting. Waiting. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that there is some... There's some joy in it because of the excitement of the unknown. And it's really sort of like, wow, I wonder what's next for us. And simultaneously, there is a deep-rooted frustration of, we don't know what that looks like yet. <clears throat> and so yesterday, for the very first time after selling my house, and I really enjoy my house. We faced west. We get a lot of sunshine. It's very bright. And yesterday, for the very first time, I thought, hmm, I've got seller's remorse. And I think that seller's remorse was rooted in the fear of waiting or the anxiety of waiting or the unknown. So if I were to tell you that story, which I just did, what would you both say to me? What, what kind of counsel or advice would you say to me? Would you offer me? Well, for me, I, you know, because, because of how I look at life, I now see that there's purpose behind even small delays. I, I really believe that. Sometimes it, you can just write it off as, yeah, John, you were waiting for half an hour at that intersection because two intersections ahead, there was a, a car crash. There was something. That's, you know, so on, on one level, you can say that. But I look at life in a way that 
builds purpose into almost everything, including waiting. And sometimes it's this idea of I'm meant to stop and think about something or think about someone. I'm being taught patience. You know, that, that there's just some reason. And, and once I kind of wrap my head around that, once I learned about, you know, that kind of, you know, viewing it in that, through that um, lens, then waiting, I could take a deep breath while I waited. And I really, I really do now try to start, except when I'm on an elevator, I really do try to start thinking about the things in life that matter a lot more than whether I get somewhere half an hour earlier. So is that, is, are you basically referring to the tyranny of the urgent? Well, that's what drives most of the stress behind waiting. For me, it is. Everybody, everyone's different. But, right. but for me, that is definitely what drives the, the things that I'm not getting to that have to be addressed when I'm super busy. But, um, but just the, you know, I'm the kind of guy that will, I will drive the wrong way and get off at an intersection and drive back and, and, and the wrong way to where I'm going so that I don't have to sit in traffic. <laughs> Even if it takes me half an hour longer, I can't, I have a real struggle with just sitting. So that's an, it's interesting that you, this resonates with you then, this idea of the pain of waiting. Oh, totally. Aaron, totally. You, you, I've heard you use an expression in the past about something to do with inhale and exhale. What, what was that again? Well, I, I think that this, this distaste for waiting is largely cultural for us. It's because it's we view time in a linear fashion. And we, we feel that time exists for us to get from where we are to somewhere else, success somewhere, or from this difficult time to happiness somewhere. And that's just how we view it. So we're always racing to get from where we are to somewhere happier, better, more beautiful. And I think that is a very dangerous mentality that causes a whole lot of problems in our world. I see it all the time in, in my work, both in addiction and other other things I do, and there are other there are, are other worldviews, are other ways of looking at time besides just this linear this linear way. The, the breathing idea comes from this notion that I think we think inhaling is the most important thing we can like. It, it, that's what breathing. What's breathing? Breathing is you know it's inhaling fresh oxygen, right? Well, that's that's maybe almost half the equation. The other half is exhaling. You can only inhale fresh oxygen if you have capacity to do that, and the only reason you have capacity is because you've exhaled, you've discarded, you've gotten rid of stuff. Hmm. But where this ties into waiting is that breathing, I think, the part that actually oxygenates our body is what happens between the inhale and the exhale. It may only be a millisecond, a millisecond or whatever, but that's the point that actually is the, the most important part of breathing. And one of the fascinating things when you work with people who have anxiety is uh, this idea of slowing down your breathing, mm -hmm. slowing down, because if you can slow your breathing down, you actually, you can help slow your mind down, your racing thoughts. And you're supposed to actually slow it down enough that you can actually hold your breath for a period of time and then exhale. So it's, it's physically making your body wait to inhale fresh oxygen. Otherwise, if, if we just frantically inhale as much as we can, we will black out, right? That's called hyperventilation. And that's not a good thing. What we're supposed to do is hold our breath, control our breath, and actually allow ourselves to wait with our breath 
to hold that gap between the inhale and the exhale longer and longer and longer. It's a physical response that helps us deal with stress. And I think it's a beautiful metaphor for how we should deal with life. We have to learn how to wait again because we live in a culture that, that feeds on trying to get us from where we are to somewhere else as fast as possible. You know, we have all these time savers, like our phones, our laptops, our, you know, they don't save any time. Look how, look, look how much time it spent us this morning to try and hook up this podcast. Yeah, I know. Like these, these devices don't save us time. And so if we're looking for electronics to save us time, we're screwed. We have to save time in the car. Like John says, you have to realize that this, this 30 minute commute Maybe it's not a curse. Maybe it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Is and there- maybe I, you know, like John looked at it. He said, you know, why am I being forced to wait? That's, that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it would be to say, instead of why is this happening to me? What can I do with this? Instead of saying it's been imposed on me, this is an opportunity for me. What can I do? I can listen to an audiobook. I can think. I can, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what's funny? Just be present. So I think, Aaron, what I've heard you say is this. We live in an outcome-based society. Is that, is that what I've heard you say? Yeah. And one of the things that we need to do is acknowledge and understand that and then work within that to find places and means and ways to extend the time between our panicked in- inhale and our panicked exhale. And that can... Yeah. Oh, sorry, Aaron. I was just going to say that that... that extends to much more than these kind of measurable short times in our day-to-day existence. I feel like this, this idea of waiting, I know I went through it in my 20s. I talked to a lot of people ranging in a lot of ages, but especially from kind of like 20 to 30, 20 to 35, it can happen where people are waiting for their life the way they imagined it or the way that they, mm-hmm. they perceive that they need it to go. They can wait years and it is extremely difficult yeah. to wait. Some people wait to meet someone for a life partner. Some people wait for a promotion. Some people wait for the chance to buy a home and wait for, you know, a, a, a pregnancy uh, mm-hmm. to happen. And, those are the things, like it's one thing for me to be in traffic for an hour extra or be in an elevator while it's slow opening the door. But these are years where people, and I think a lot of people, if they really talk about the pain of waiting, not the irritation, but the pain of waiting is, happens over years, months and years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in that where people, I think we really need to learn how to, how do we get through those times? And and I, I personally believe that waiting builds, if, if you can look at it in a healthy, meaningful way, that, that there is nothing as powerful as waiting, the exception potentially of pain in our life, there's nothing as powerful in terms of developing our attitudes, character, wisdom, but it's tough. It's very tough. I have a friend who introduced me to an expression that I think is really beautiful, and I think it ties into this, and it, it, the expression is this, the delicious ambiguity. I know when I first mentioned that to you, John, you asked me, what's so delicious? What, how do you define delicious? But I think what we're talking about here is... a big is, Mac. What's it's that? A, it's a Big Mac. We all know it. I'm not a Big Mac guy. Oh, okay. I don't like the special sauce, but I'm not a sauce guy. 
So anyway. Delicious. So the delicious ambiguity, I think that this again is one of those, may, maybe the problem with this conversation or the problem with this topic is this. It's as elusive as the idea itself. To say to someone, learn to wait, you can't point at it. You can't point at it and say, that's the thing right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you don't know what their weight is. No, and also, you, like, you can point to a starting point, and you can point to a finishing point in, in a journey, but in the middle, what are you pointing at? You're, you're pointing at this long space. Um, yeah, but see, that's, that's our mistake, is we think waiting means wasting. Waiting means doing nothing, and that's the problem. Hmm. We don't understand that waiting is work. Mm. In fact, it's, 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 opportunity. It's, 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 it is. And it's good work for those, you know, the, probably the most agonizing wait is, is waiting between appointments, waiting between doctor's appointments, waiting for results. Right. Sure. And I've often told people who've agonized for weeks to get results and, you know, they're, they're, and we can all relate to that agonizing period of, of, you know, trying to understand, you know, I got to build my life based on what these results are going to reveal. Mm-hmm. And I, I've often told people, listen, if you can learn what you need to learn to be able to wait between these two appointments, like if you can really do the hard work of being okay between these appointments, then you've learned whatever it is you need, regardless of what the, uh, the uh, results reveal. Mm. But for so many people, they're agonizing for two weeks, they get the results, the results are devastating, and then they're ruined all over again. So it's been not only two agonizing, grueling weeks, they've done nothing to prepare for any, any possibility at the other end. Whereas the hardest work we'll do in our lives is in between two points, I believe. And we just don't respect it in our culture. That's why everything has to be fast. Everything has to be quick because we don't respect the value of waiting and just merely observing. You know, the reason, the reason we're able to navigate the world because, uh, by looking at the stars is because someone's waited long enough under, you know, a blanket of darkness to say, hey, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Last month, I remember that constellation being in the same place, mm-hmm. right? In the ancient world, all they did was wait and they observed and they were able to navigate the stars, build the pyramids. We live in a culture where we're having difficulty doing anything big because we just do not value anything that takes longer than five minutes. Hey guys, have you ever, we live in Canada, all three of us. Have you guys ever experienced this feeling when in the middle of winter, it's there, it's full, it's busy. You're, you're moving at the speed of sound, right? And, and everything is frantic. It feels, and then you get a massive, massive snowstorm. It I, I love pauses yes. everything. I love it. It, to yeah. me too. Yeah. It's one of the things Marion and I often refer to as like, I think if you're not going to slow down, nature will slow you down. I, 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 a snowstorm brings me peace. Me too. It does. Because I look outside and strangely, I think we're all waiting together for this to be over and we're waiting and it's just calmed and slowed the world down. But I don't actually think we're waiting for it to be over. I actually think we're, this is the one example that I, when Aaron was talking, Mm. this is the one example that came to my mind that said, yes, I, uh, this, this resonates with me because during the middle of an, a massive snow dump, I don't actually long for it to be over. I actually just love building a fire. I love the warmth of it. I love when I look out the window and I see all my neighbors beginning to pull out their snowblowers and their shovels and kids are playing and laughing. And it's, it's almost as if everyone's been granted permission to pause mm-hmm. because everyone's doing it together. Yeah. 
So in other words, the guy beside me, the neighbor beside me, the guy behind me isn't making progress and I'm falling behind. No, no, no. We're all in this. And I think maybe that's one of the things that's, it's kind of funny that came to mind, Aaron, when you, when you, so there's yeah. a, yeah, anyway. The, the, you know, the old expression, which is so cliche, it's not even worth mentioning, but I think there's wisdom in it. And, and the old expression of good things come to those who wait. Where did that come from? Like where clearly those kind of little axioms carry and are built on and carry truth in them. And when you look at the periods in your life where you've waited, you can see that if you've embraced it and walked through it, there are good things that have come from through that waiting period. We don't see it while we're in it, but when we look back, yeah. we realize that, whoa, 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 that happened. This happened. I changed my attitude here. I learned this. I, I'm much more capable of dealing with things now in my life that I'm facing. So good things do come. Yeah, I, th I think part of the problem is that when uh, that we struggle with waiting because we feel like we're missing something, right? We feel like there's something else I could be doing or I'm, I'm missing out on something right now while I'm doing this wasteful thing, waiting for my car to get an oil change, you know? Um, it's, it's, and while that's true if we want it to be, I think there's just a better way of understanding that. And, and I mentioned this earlier that it's in the West that we have this linear concept of time. But if you go to the Far East, um, they just hold... In, in some wisdom traditions, especially, they just hold the concept of time differently. So instead of believing that life is rushing towards us and we've got to grasp everything we can, which makes us frantic, which leads to our addiction for everything. You know, we got to get every experience. We have to get every relationship while we're young. We have to get more money. We have to. So if we just trash that whole idea for a minute and realize that maybe that's not how time works. You know, Einstein talked about the theory of relativity. Someone asked him to explain it. He said, why is it when you touch a hot stove, it feels like it lasts forever, but when a, a young girl kisses you, it seems to happen so quickly, right? Time is relative, this, this idea that time doesn't exist like we think it does. So here's, here's the different approach. Instead of believing that time's rushing towards us and we're trying to grasp everything we can, what if we believe that time isn't moving at all? that all that exists is this moment, us waiting on the highway, in the waiting room, in the elevator. That's all that, all that exists in this moment is that, is that finite moment. And the future isn't rushing towards us. It's actually pulled towards us with every choice we then make. Yeah. Every, choice, every choice of thought, every choice of action pulls some future outcome towards us. Because then we don't feel powerless in the waiting. That's why we hate waiting. I'm out of control. I have nothing. I have no control. No, you do have control and you can pull any desired outcome. I'm not sure I believe that, but I, but I do, I do affirm this idea that you have a measure of control. I don't believe that you, you have you full have, control. You have control over certain things. Yes. Certainly. Other things you don't. Right. Um, but you certainly have control over your thoughts and your reactions. Which is everything. I, I think everything. what I took from Aaron's comment is the idea of, of being present, kind of drinking in that moment, that time, and looking at it as an experience in and of itself, not implicated by before or after, right now. And it made me think of the image, and I don't know whether it's philosopher or an old poet like William Blake or someone who wrote about how life is like a bird flying by. And the best way to enjoy life 
is to, most people try to hold on to the bird and catch the bird and, you know, as, and des in a desperate attempt to hold on to it and, I guess, enjoy life. But the kind of sage wisdom that came from this analogy was more, no, the best way to look at life is to kiss as it flies by, to kiss the, the, the bird of life as it flies by. Um, it just made me think of that. But I, for when, I, when I read that and thought of it, I really liked it because it was like, um, just enjoy it as it comes by and don't try to hold on to everything and, 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 and impact things and force it into your perceived outcome. Just experience it. Experience it, be present. Don't hold on to it like something that you're desperate to, to have. Yeah. I've often, I've often found myself in... Because I like you, John. I'm a very impatient person. Well, I've seen um, you eat, right? I've seen you yeah, eat a hamburger. That's true. I, I've, I've heard that's him, true. I've heard him eat. It's worse. Yeah, that's true. The past number of years, I've <laughs> I've had to learn to become um, okay with waiting. Um, my wife has had a lot of health issues that that required us to drive to city hospitals and and wait in waiting rooms for long periods of time. And I remember one, at one point I was sitting in a waiting room and this thought came to my mind that saved me many times. And it was simply this, if I find myself in a specific situation, not for lack of trying to be somewhere else, but there I remain, then it must be somewhere I need to be. In other words, if I, I've done everything I can to not be in a waiting room waiting for something, but for whatever reason, choices were made beyond my control outside of my um, agency. And here I am. And I have a choice. I can fight it and just get mad and angry and bitter and filled with anxiety and, and become anxious. Or I can say, you know what, I've done everything I can to not be here, but here I am. Mm. So I'm going to surrender yeah. to this moment, which is not giving up. It's a different word. Yep. I'm going to surrender to this moment. And, and, and when you finally give up the fight, uh, waiting changes. Yes, I agree. It becomes, you know, there's you just, a peace it, in it. There's a peace in there it. There is. You just got to cross that mental line. And it just, you know, if you've ever been in a relationship with someone with anxiety, when they're having a panic attack, one of the most important things you can do is help ground them, which is because the panic attack is based on this, uh, them catastrophizing something in their mind that hasn't happened yet. And so grounding them is making them so present in the moment. You're like, listen, what do you hear? What do you see? What do you touch? And it's really effective. And I, I find that that's in those waiting rooms, that's what I've done. I've just stopped. I breathe deeply, held in that space between an inhale and an exhale, and then looked around the room. Hey, Aaron, what was the, what was the you said, exchange one word for surrender. What was that word? Don't, don't use this word. Surrender. Yeah, surrender, surrender is the word, not giving up. There's giving a difference. Up. Not giving up. No. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That the, the way you look at waiting impacts everything. And, it, and I agree with Aaron that it, there is something transformational that happens that helps you get through it in a whole different way. And even, not just a coping mechanism, but a way to actually recognize and in a strange way enjoy those in-between times. Because now there's a whole different way of viewing it and experiencing it. But the trick is, as I said earlier, is to try to apply those principles while you're waiting over years. That's tricky. And, but it's, to me, it's the same principle. It just demands more of you. And, 
and waiting over years is a challenge a lot of people face. The uh, the construct that makes sense to me is when I was a um, when I was in the middle of my career journey, a wise man said to me, he said, Paul, I want to draw something to your attention. And I said, okay. I was a little nervous because it was this it was this <laughs> this gentleman who I really deeply admired. He also had something, he delivered bad news to me once about my, my habits. He was an influential man in the political space in Canada. He would call and I wouldn't return his call for a long time. And anyway, after about six months of it, he took me aside one day and said, I don't want to hear any other word from you until you begin to respond with respect to my phone calls. He said, you need to grow up and you need to answer your phone calls. I did say that, didn't I? That wasn't you. <laughs> oh, I said that too, though. <laughs> yes. Anyway, the point was this same gentleman. So it, that flustered me yeah. a bit. I, I was embarrassed as a young man trying to make my way, and he had to draw my attention to something extremely difficult. You know um, what you should have said to him, Paul? Learn no. to wait, brother. Learn to wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's beauty in waiting. Anyway, th- it, was, it was this same guy. Here's what I want to say to you. He earned the right to say this next thing because he invested in me over the long haul, and he was not just a guy who affirmed all my, my habits and decisions. He also helped me learn some difficult things. And this is one thing he said to me. You need to learn to be rather than to do. And I think that's what we're really talking about here. Much of it, you, absolutely. We, we need to learn as people to be present in, in the moment that we are, to be fully alive to it, to listen. I like, I like Aaron's word, to surrender to it rather than to think of it as giving up? I I really love that. And I can think of some people in my life who they somehow are present, regardless of how busy they are, they are somehow present, whether it's for a little child who runs to them with a smile on their face, but they're way too busy to deal with it. Someone who drops in at their home, knocks on the door and comes in and they just don't have any time really but they make time. Somehow they're present in all of those things. I have great admiration for it. it to me, it's aspirational. It's, it's something that I've got to do better at. My wife often says to me, John, you need to be present. You're going so fast, so many different directions. You sometimes feel like you're, you're on to the next moment while this one's still happening. And I know she's right. I know she's right. And I'm trying to get better. That's about being present and waiting. And like you said, not doing, but being. And that's uh, great words. Those are great words. So Aaron, do you have any, um, you know, one of the things that I think we like to do on this podcast is we like to give people ideas that they can work with. Um, give me, give me the, the, the singular idea that pops out to your mind from our discussion today. Well, I think one of the greatest uh, tools that I've used, because uh, waiting is something that I've struggled with my whole life, but I'm getting, I can honestly say I'm getting much better at it. And one of the tools I've used is, is um, a beautiful Eastern idea known as non-resistance. When we are struggling with waiting, it's because we're resisting being where we are because we want to be somewhere else. That's exhausting. It's exhausting. That's why people hate waiting because it's exhausting because they're spending all this mental acuity trying to be somewhere else. So the the principle of non-resistance basically says, just stop resisting the present moment, no matter how bad it may seem, just stop for a second. And this is where the whole idea of surrender comes in as opposed to giving up. Just surrender to the fact that you are here in the Honda waiting room, on the highway, in a doctor's office between appointments. Just stop. You don't want to be here. You've tried everything and not you're here. Okay, so stop resisting. And in doing that, suddenly you give your permission, you give yourself permission to kind of breathe 
And then from there, instead of it being just um, fatalism, which just says, you know, oh, everything's, I have no control, everything's just, instead, non-resistance instead offers us this beautiful gift of, in that moment of just acceptance, okay, this is where I am. This is where I am right now. And from that moment of non-resistance, of accepting whatever the circumstances are, then rise up and respond accordingly. So what do I do next? And that has saved my bacon and changed my perception of how I deal with. I now go into situations where I know there's going to be a period of time where I'm going to have to wait minutes, hours, months. I go into them preparing myself to get to the other side of denial as fast as I can. To, to, to give up the fight before it even begins, because I know to fight it is going to be exhausting. And the sooner I get to that place of just surrender, like, and this works for big things and little things. This, this really does work when you're in traffic. This really does work in a doctor's office. It works for the big issues in life. Just begin to live a life of non-resistance because resistance is exhausting. Acceptance doesn't just mean you, you leave things the way they are. It means you accept the reality for what it is. And then you learn to rise up and respond accordingly. Like that other adage, I make choices in this moment that will pull a desired future towards me. So that's my advice on waiting. And it's, uh, it's, it's worked for me. Johnny, for, for me, one thing, for me, one thing that I really try to do in periods of waiting, both short term and longer is I try to make efforts, think of other people, um, to, to get my mind out of the constant stress trench and stop, realize that, you know, as Aaron said, kind of it is what it is right now, accept that idea, and then make a deliberate choice to think of someone whose life I can speak into, who I can, who may be going through a much more difficult weight than I am, and, or who could use... Um, an, a word of encouragement or, or whatever. And I, for me, it really helps. It, it immediately takes, it, to me, it's like this discovered time that I didn't look at. I didn't look at it like that before, but it's like discovered time to do things that, that can make an impact on someone and, and mean something that I wouldn't have had the time for or thought of before. So it's a little discipline that I use. And so that will often result in a call or in a, an email or in a um, time to get together for a coffee or whatever. So for me, that's something that I think practically it, it uh, is a great use of time. You know, we talk about, thank you, John, and thank you, Aaron. We talk about preferred outcomes and that may be contributing to the problem. I want to suggest this, deferred outcomes. Perhaps it's learning to read in between the two music notes that are on the page. As Aaron said, Life is what happens between the inhale and the exhale. We encourage you to breathe deeply. Thanks for listening. Be well, and remember to stay in the conversation. Mm -hmm.